Welcome to Advice Amplified. This episode's guest is Sam Tate. Ideally, it would be a case where everybody receives some level of financial planning. Sam is a co-founder and director at New World Financial Group with over 23 years experience in financial services. He's a futurist, an optimist, and a passionate believer in the future opportunity of financial planning. The reality is, in its current format, the advice gap will never be solved. In this episode, we learn about the process of setting up a new advice firm, New World's unorthodox pricing model, the current advice gap, and the role technology has to play. Now, I'd love to go back in time and say, here's your proposition, here it is, it's ready. I'm sure you're going to love it. Please do take the time to subscribe to our podcast now. Enjoy. So Sam, welcome to Advice Amplified. Really appreciate you, you kind of coming on. I'm really excited about this one because when, when we set up Advice Amplified and the whole idea behind the show was to focus on how do we power up the industry to help more people to have a bigger impact and how do we get more people to have financial advice? We know it's a really impactful thing, um, both financially, but also on people's mental well-being. Um, but year on year, the advice gap's growing less and less people are in a position where they can speak to a financial advisor. Um, and when I think about you know anyone who's doing something exciting in the industry uh, or, or in the you know in the in the world to solve that problem like new world for me is top of the mind in terms of innovative business model that's really charging at doing something cool and new and fresh that actually has an opportunity to to really impact that um so i'm really excited about this conversation um and i, I wondered if that's a cool place to jump into like what's your what's your journey into new world and um like what's your take on on how your proposition is different and, and has an opportunity to, to kind of spice up that space. Mm, yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Pete. It's uh, great to be here. And, um, you know, I've been in financial services for 20 years, as has my big business partner, Lisa. So we've seen a lot, seen a lot of change. In actual fact, my my story goes further than that. It's, um, you know, my father had a financial advice firm. So when I was four, five, six years old, I was, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, I was kind of in the middle of it as a kid. So very familiar to me. Um, the world today looks so different to how it looked then. And when we set up New World, we we looked at three main things. We looked at three main gaps that exist, uh, the trust gap, the advice gap, and education gap. And, and you're right that not many people are looking at, at these things necessarily. Not a lot of established businesses really need to. Maybe they're in the comfort zone. Maybe they're, um, maybe they've got just a nice business, you know, well-intentioned business. Um, but we were forced to to look at who we are, why we exist, what we want to be, what our product wants to be, um, when we set the business up in 2021 in the middle of COVID. So the, the so the product itself um, is a financial plan. Okay, lots of people are doing it the way that we're doing it. Um, we. And we charge for that. We charge a professional fee. And and once you once you look at it as a as a product, and a lot of people kind of like feel a bit uncomfortable <laughs> yeah, about that. that. Yeah. There's a lot of buyers <laughs> in the world, but nobody yeah. wants to be selling, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think it's important because um, you know this is a, traditionally it's a sales based industry, and it is important because we do um, we do it. We have evolved from a commission world, and there were a lot of people in the um, that started off as financial advisors that that came from life insurance businesses or banks, and um, as a result of that, their 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 background is sales. Traditionally speaking, sales, and um, and that's something that that's kind of not not really talked about. It's skirted around <laughs> the edges, and as a result of that, you end up with a legacy issue where where 
um, advisors talk about trust. They talk about um, uh, transparency and integrity. And for me, these things are just the prerequisites. Like you shouldn't have to say these things, uh, but it's so, so common. Um, so, you know, we've seen this, this uh, evolution of what's available at our fingertips. Introductions uh, of technologies like cash flow forecasting really changed the game as well. And, and when I'm talking about our product, that is a key element of our product. We have to, as an industry, look at really analyze what we're doing. If, we, if, we, if we're in this for the long haul, um, because if this links to pricing, it links to charging. Um, and at the moment, the generally speaking, the industry charges based on how much money a client has. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's linked to investments and it's linked to, inv and, and then your entire um, business model really is based on investment performance ultimately that's what you judged on it's interesting because if clients see their portfolios not really moving or maybe going down or, or going up at perhaps a rate that they're uh, that they weren't expecting they're really gonna drill down on that and focus on that and look at what they're paying whereas if you're product is the financial plan and you see the value in everything else that you're doing and you're separating separating the price uh, away from some of uh, uh, away from one element of your service um because that's what it is really because ifas would talk about well i'm doing this i'm doing that i'm doing this so why are you charging just based upon one element of it um it's putting context that's what we do put context to towards the money and, and we charge a professional fee and once you do that you can then take a step back and scale uh look at a big bigger picture and scale that product um and really and say well okay this as a product is something that we can uh, really roll out to people that can't necessarily get investment advice from my face. People that don't have, you know, because it is so linked to the investments, that really wipes out so many people from getting the advice because they can't pay for the advice. Or, oh, oh, sorry, the IFA isn't going to make much money from them ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas if you are charged, if you are saying that, uh, we're much more than investment advisors, we're much more than, um, pension spe specialists, we're much more than, um, you know, tax experts. We sit at the heart of people's lives. We evidence it because this is our, this is what we do. Ultimately, we provide peace of mind and reassurance and put context to everything in your life. And that's what we charge for. That's super interesting. And how does that like change? how you put your like internal proposition together. So things like, you know, which platforms you're using, what the investment proposition is, you know, how you pick, um, you know, some of your fundamental advice policies. Cause I suppose you're, you're kind of lifting the whole thing up at a massive level and that's important presumably, but maybe bleeds into the background behind the actual plan itself. Yeah. I, th I think the general process is not too dissimilar to what you would expect. There's a centralized investment proposition where we are probably unique, um, of, you know, fairly unique is that cash is an option for us. Uh, yeah. you know, not to say that, that all of our clients go into cash, but cash is an option for us, uh, because, because, um, it really doesn't matter to us where the money goes. Yeah. We're charging a flat fee on a subscription basis, generally speaking. So an example that I would give, and it's an extreme example is that if a client's the best thing for a client is to go all into cash. Um, we'll do that. And we'll do that, you know, without worrying about what we're going to be paid for that because, you know, and, and there's no incentivization 
for us to um, invest in things that perhaps aren't right for the client. So the client knows immediately, and this is a trust thing. So this is, you know, I mentioned the the three gaps. Trust is such a big thing, and it's a big part of our marketing um, uh, campaigns. But it's there is a trust trust issue. Um, you've just got to speak to speak speak to people on the street and speak openly with people to get feedback. Uh, we've done a lot of this, um, and it's a legacy thing. It's a legacy issue, and um, and unfortunately, you know, the vast majority of financial advisors have always done the right thing for clients. Yeah. And it doesn't take, as, as we all know, it doesn't take much to ruin that sort of reputation in people's minds. I suppose, like you say, it's quite a, it's really interesting, almost like organizational psychological hack that because you've completely removed those, you know, conscious or unconscious biases and choices that you can be quite frank with your client and sort of say, well, I am going to do what's in your best interest because the product is this and not this. How I get paid is, is you know, how I'm going to behave long term. Very transparent with the fees. Um, there's no complication around it. Um, what we what we try to do is is list. Um, we we're, we're still you know we're still figuring this out. We haven't got all the answers yet. Well, I'm a, trying to make people aware of the problems yeah. um, because we'll talk about maybe um, other challenges and competitors that are out there which which really do matter. Um, so we don't have all the answers, but I'm very um, conscious of the issues um, from a you know, when, from a macro level, when, we, when we're zooming out and we can see over a five, 10 year period, um, very aware of the issues that exist. But what, what, so what we try to do is make it as transparent as possible to people so that they, they can see which tier they might fit in or choose to fit in. Um, we have a non-investment option as well, where clients can just receive a financial plan for, for reassurance and peace of mind. Um, and then we have on top of that, we have an investment option and then we have another option, which, which is maybe aimed at more, um, additional rate, higher, or additional rate or higher rate taxpayers where they might need more bespoke tax advice. So people should be able to find very easily where they fit within our subscription model. And it's very simple. It's just a price per month. Um, so we don't say if you have over X amount or if you have, um, you know, if you're earning X, it's just really what do you, what do you need? What do you want? This is the price. And how have you found that kind of explaining the proposition to clients and them understanding it? I mean, not that you know any other model would actually be <laughs> well understood or it, yeah. is it easier or is there you know i suppose it's more straightforward in lots more of ways more straightforward yeah. yeah so where we are um where we are really doing well i would say is is young professionals so people who haven't necessarily built up the wealth that they that would that would attract yeah. other financial advisors um but they do they are earning good money and they do have choices to make and decisions to make. And there's an abundance of information out there. But really, there's, the, the value is putting all of that together to give give those clients peace of mind. So, you know, it's it's very obvious to me to create a solution for people like that, who might become what a traditional financial advisor would call a good client. But yeah. to me, it's, you know, that's by the by. Um, if someone's got 100,000 or 10 million, it really, you know, it's, it doesn't matter. It's about the the advice that we're giving within that. The value is irrelevant. I'm trying to think of a good way of phrasing this because you've got your, your traditional business plan that we often see from from advisors is set the practice up and then over time I'll get rid of some of the smaller clients and I'll focus on the bigger ones and I'll go from 100 clients to 60 to 40 and you know grow the average portfolio size and yeah you know, that's that's my 
kind of route out into the sunset. And I suppose you, your model doesn't look like that over time. Nope. Um, no, it's pretty more straightforward, I would say, um, because, you know, the, the, let's just be clear. If we were to set up and not look at the bigger picture, it's obvious to just follow, you know, the, the route that everybody else has followed. Um, the, the challenge is going to come when, um, when perhaps the baby boomers, um, you know, die off and try to die off for want of a better phrase <laughs> and start to pass that money down chains, yeah. uh, family chains. And they, and even to today, you know, you've got people who in their seventies that are being advised by younger members of their family and saying, why are you paying 1% or 2% or whatever it might be? Um, it makes no sense because today we have, um, at people's fingertips, an abundance of information it's only going to get cheaper and easier for people to invest. Mm. So if your entire business model is based upon, again, going back to this point, if your entire business model is based upon how much money somebody has and how that investment is doing, yeah. it's going to, you're not, you're not seeing the bigger picture here because, um, you know, there's an adaptation required. Otherwise, um, you know, you're going to have your Kodak moment. <laughs> Like you say, over that five or ten year kind of period, you can totally see how you know, access to products is just just absolutely you know phenomenal, like super easy, low entry points, really understandable, and then similarly access to like information. So I suppose that kind of power asymmetry that might have existed 10, 20 years ago is just just being dissolved. And how do how do you see um, even you know even if you play like five or ten years into the future when? Yeah, 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 like Monzo, for example, they they launched their or are launching their investment kind of uh, options at the moment, aren't they? Through BlackRock, and um, yeah, they've got a little educational guys in there. Is is there even a risk in your business model? I suppose over that kind of duration of 10, 15 years, that um, people might be able to seek it elsewhere and, and and that kind of stuff. Um, potentially, I mean, that's that I think goes for everything, doesn't it? Um, who 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 knows where where we'll be? We can only we can only really look at the future and look at where we are and think, okay, um, let, let's evolve, um, essentially. That said, um, there are some big names out there that um, that maybe will struggle because um, I mentioned Kodak. Sometimes when you're a very, very established business, um, changing your business model is hard and, you've got, and, and it's, it carries a lot of risk as well. Yeah. Uh, the benefit for me as financial planners is that we can sit at the heart of people's lives. Yeah. We, we should have much more confidence in what we're offering um because i don't think that confidence is there yet i think we just really do see a very narrow view of what we offer um despite all of the you know the process of the you know the knowledge that we gain through experience and conversations and exams um but we, we should be very proud and it's an honor to sit in front of a client and for them to let you in now i think there's an opportunity for financial planners to go even further and to sit at the heart of communities yeah yeah you know i think that there's um, and we should be shameless about that, really. Um, you know, we, we we deal with a lot of things in people's lives. Um, and that is, in my opinion, where real value is going to lie in the future, um, not in investment forms, not trying to outdo, you know, um, bank performance or other, you know, it's, 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 that's not, that's not, there's no value in that, you know, there's no real value in that. And it's, and it's, um, it's, it's the, it's the, process of, of of improving lives uh, making people's lives better and and we c i don't think we've even scratched the surface in terms of that yet 
Um, I think we can really sit at, at the heart of communities. So we, we, we can't stand still. Um, yeah, there's always going to be threats to, to any business, but, but we just, I think, just need to have more confidence and really go for it as an industry and as a profession and really see ourselves sitting at the heart of lives and communities. Yeah, yeah. I suppose like you say, in the, in the same way that just because you can access these products and you can learn about them doesn't mean you're going to actually do anything with that information and that capability and actually having someone there as a coach, as a mentor, as, as a kind of a guide through that process that, like you say, is in, into like a round of those really key moments in your life. Um, that's, that's really, really powerful. I think coach and mentor, I think, is a key key thing as well. I think um, that's starting to happen, I think, more. Um, we're certainly seeing it with most of our clients where we are we are coaching them, we're educating them. It's a big, there's, there's a lot of value in that. And there is an abundance of information, but that can also be, uh, confusing and it can also create more questions than answers sometimes so again and that's always going to be the case i think um so so again just being that person that that helps knit everything together is 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 what we how we need to see we need to see it as a profession that that you know that just improves lives if you were to paint a picture of where where the profession might end up in I was really careful with my words and I was going to say industry and I was like, um, <laughs> where, where we might end up in kind of 10, 20 years. So I, I think it's really, you know, it's easy to maybe overestimate where we'll be in five years, probably reasonably similar to where we are now, but maybe in 10, 20 years, I, I think it'd be quite tough to, to really predict what, what the shape of things might look like. Yeah. I mean, ideally it would be a case where everybody receives some level of financial planning, whatever they need. Um, you know, people talk about the advice gap as though there's this magic wand that, that that changes everything uh the the reality is in its current format the advice gap will never be solved yeah. because we're we are as an industry so focused on the amount of money that somebody has and that's how we get paid generally yeah. so how does the advice gap get fixed it doesn't it doesn't because um because there's a there's a reason that eight percent of people in the uk i think according to the latest figures receive financial advice and 92 percent don't some of those 92% might be attractive to IFAs, but the vast majority under the current regime would not be attractive. And so therefore, um, without innovation and innovation from a tech perspective and also from a, um, a, a societal perspective, we won't fix that advice gap. Yeah. But the good news is with a bit of innovation, we can. <laughs> uh, so AI is going to be a, be a big play a big role in terms of helping to really capture the the really the depths of the market but um but but you know we as financial planners need to drive that yeah yeah it's interesting i was gonna kind of ask your thoughts on ai because we're i mean it's something i get asked on a daily basis and you know i've i've got i'm excited i think i think ai is going to completely change you know the face of, of all of our lives in, in so many ways but also being peak hype wave, I feel like that's a really easy thing for me to say. It's going to change our lives. Wait, let's do it. Where, where do you see, like, what are you excited about right now with AI? And Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's great, isn't it? Because there's so much fear mongering, scaremongering going on at the moment. And um, I was reading actually about, uh, there's a guy called Ray Amara. Have you heard of him? He, he, he uh, I think it was a 1960s, a scientist in the 60s. And he, he came up with the concept that we... Um, we underestimate the, uh, we, we overestimate the impact of technology in the short term and underestimate it in the long term. And I think that's where we're at with AI at the moment. There's so much fear and 
and excitement as well, from depending who you speak to. Um, and the reality is AI has been around for 10 years or so, you know, a lot, a lot longer. And it's in people's lives every day with, you know, Alexa and um, Spotify playlists and all of these things, you know, it, it, it exists. And um, it's really chat GPT, isn't it? That's got people really, got, got people's real attention. Um, you know, self-service checkouts, just normal, right? Just normalized, you know? Um, and I think that's where we'll sort of just drift anyway, because... Um, there's a lot of drama around it at the moment, but the reality is that over time, we'll just these the, these little implementations within our lives will just start happening, and they'll improve. Generally speaking, I hope, and I'm an optimist that that they'll just start improving our lives. Um, for the industry, for the profession, <laughs> for financial planning, it's a massive opportunity. You know, I think AI is going to get rid of mediocrity. Yes. You know, yeah. if you, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but if, if used well and, um, uh, and used innovatively, it can be a real game changer. Um, and I'm talking really about speed processing speeds. So the back office work that gets done through AI could provide, um, you know, could take hours and hours off what is building a financial plan, a very long process. Yeah. And that means that we can help more people and we can make everything cheaper, which is, again, I go back, technology is deflationary. So, um, but it's fine because we'll be able to help more people and it becomes more accessible. Yeah, yeah. It's super interesting. And it makes me think, um, especially, you know, your comment that, AI has been around for, for for a long time, and you know, even like was it 2016, 2017, There was a big hype wave back then, and you mm. know, I, I was I was there building some tech and building some AI, and you know, it goes away, and you're like, okay, I didn't really didn't really change change much. Like, what, what, why do you think we haven't nailed it yet as an industry? The advice gap's still growing. You know, some of it seems doable, doesn't it? And, and yet- uh, I th- yeah, I think it's I think there's no um, incentive to change. Um, really, uh, because we're not there yet. Uh, these, these things take a long time to play out, don't they? You know, societal shifts to, I, I think in many ways we've been in, uh, we've been in almost a global depression for two, that since 2008 in, in a lot of ways in, from, in a, maybe not in an economic sense, but we've done a lot to prevent that. Um, and, and how much damage that, that will lead to, we'll, we'll only see in time, but from a societal perspective, um, globally, there's a there's a lot happened that you end up in a situation where, you know, you end up with with extremes in politics and all of these different things going on. Um, but these things have played out, and the economy have been, you know, the economies have been um, held together through, um, you know, sticking plasters <laughs> or whatever's required <laughs> yeah, yeah. to get through the immediate problem. And life kind of goes on, and things drift, but. R- if you zoom out, big changes are going on. Big changes are happening. Um, so financial advisors have probably not really noticed much of a shift in their business practices and in their maybe their results and their numbers, which is which is great. But something else is going on. There's a bigger picture at play, um, and that will play out in time. You know, if you speak to somebody in their twenties, as you've mentioned, they they're very savvy. You know, far more savvy than than twenty year olds were. 20 years ago, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. far more savvy you know, and, and that goes back. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think the industry is really incentivized to fix the advice gap because if your business is doing fine and doing okay, uh, you will get your innovators, but if it's fine and it's ticking along and everything's okay, why change it? And I think that's an attitude for, it's not, a, it's not a criticism really. It's, it, you know, 
everybody's in a different situation, but but it's it's common to think that you know everything's okay because the numbers are okay, without maybe thinking, yeah, but what's going to happen in ten years' time? Maybe to to some people, ten years' time doesn't matter, and that's also fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're making good money right now, why bother? You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's gonna it's gonna come, and it will take you by surprise if you're yeah. not. Yeah, kind of really. I mean, what would you interested in your kind of advice or like the the process of starting a firm and mm. i suppose you did quite a lot of introspection in what you wanted to do in terms of what kind of proposition but what kind mm. of mark and um, impact you wanted to have on the industry if and i'm asking this question because because i get asked and a lot of the time i do point at you guys in, in the mm. audio and Lisa, mm. um if if you were a young advisor or um you know power planner or you know someone looking to enter the industry and and, and do something cool how how do you do that? How do you start a firm, and how do you figure out what what a good firm looks like? And well, you you prepare <laughs> yourself to not sleep for two years. <laughs> um, you know, you know, it starts off with you know. So myself and my business partner are a good we're a good mix. Lisa, uh, Lisa's very very technical, very very passionate about the planning. I'm very passionate about the the bigger picture, and, and as is Lisa, but bigger picture and seeing where we might end up and that that sort of combination worked really well because from the beginning we had the same had the same goals and that was to create the best financial planning firm that we possibly could now what we uh, you know it goes with starting any business right start with the old simon sinek thing start with why 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 do you want to do this what, what what's your what what are you passionate about what do you really want to achieve by doing this who are you you know, and allowing that to 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 really drive what 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 you're doing. Um, you know, usually when people think about that, the answer isn't "I want to replicate 99% of what, <laughs> of what already yeah. exists." Yeah. Um, again, I I think looking at the bigger picture is always a good idea when starting out with a blank slate. So um, maybe thinking about not necessarily how it look, how things look today, but how might they look, yeah. and would it be easier to get to to aim for that? from the beginning well actually it usually is rather than shifting and adapting at a later date um so yeah and then you've got the you've got the standard regulatory process which which we went through during covid fortunately for me lisa led on that um but it was pretty mind-numbing stuff uh that took i think about six to twelve months maybe nine six to nine months yeah and i guess again from from what little i know about that process having a really solid you know, vision of what the firm's going to be, what your business plan is, like is is really supportive in in that process, isn't it? And you know, yeah, it is. It is, and things like consumer duty, you know, were, it was pretty easy for us to to go through that process because it, it really drove a lot of our process two three years ago when we set the business up. So a lot of it, um, again, Lisa might disagree because she was the one that did most of the legwork on this, but but it, it was actually an easy process for us, relatively easy um, process for us to just. Um, confirmed that we were doing the right things because we built built those in from the beginning. Um, so it's very important to do that, to spend time on process and, and and also marketing. You know, what do you want your business to look like? What's your brand? How do you want to sell? What's your what's your what are your levels? Where do you want to get to? What's yeah. the purpose? Because again, all of these li- little things drive the decisions that you make when you are setting up. And what um, given where you are on your journey and, and what you look forward to in, in terms of like business plan, but also like personally and, and, and all that, what, what's kind of annoying you at the moment or pissing you off or, 
you know, the biggest challenge that you're sat there going, ah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm quite hard to <laughs> piss off, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty, you know, again, I'm a I'm, I'm pretty laid back guy, but the, the biggest challenge, you know, is the messaging, uh, the marketing and the messaging. Um, because we are a small firm, we don't have loads of, you don't have six figures, seven figures to throw at marketing and get messaging out there. It's, um, and, and our message is quite different. Yeah. And, and there is, um, there is a, you know, systemic belief in what financial advisors offer, which, which versus what we're offering is quite different. Getting that message out and educating people is, um, it's good fun, but it's a, it's, it's a long game if you haven't got, you know, millions of pounds to throw at marketing. So our messaging is hard. So, you know, it's, we do that through, we do that through a lot of education. We go into businesses, um, and we educate employees. We do a lot with schools. We do a lot with colleges, uh, but but that messaging is 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 hard work to get out, yeah. And trying to shift the conversation, shift the narrative. Yeah, I suppose you're you're fighting kind of the whole separate narrative that you know um, you have got to put a new message out there and re-educate people. I suppose on un- get them to unlearn some stuff in a way. Yeah, exactly. So again, jumping back to the beginning, the three the, the three gaps that we looked at: the trust, education, and advice. We really do focus on all three of them and kind of live by them. Um, so education is a big thing. We've done a lot of free education stuff um all really is over the last two years um we are starting to now commercialize it a little bit because we're fortunately we're in the position that we're able to and it's an in it, and it's potentially an income stream to take this educational work into businesses but we've done a lot of educational stuff for, for us to go through that learning experience to to find out what works to find out what what messages to give to what which people um but education is such a key element to to what we do and um we all know that the that education within financial um affairs just isn't there um or hasn't been there um again younger people today are educating themselves in in many ways which is great um but but there's a lot of work to do um so that's a that's a key thing but it also allows us to speak to tens and tens of people at, at a time and tell them the benefits of what we're doing and, and how we how we work. And do you think, um, like, if you could jump back to before, you know, when you were sat there with Lisa figuring out what are we going to do here? Let's let, let's build this awesome awesome thing. Would you have Would you have listened to some of the stuff you might tell yourself if you could go back in time, or do you think it was really important to go on the journey you've been on and learn it and get the scars? It's all the journey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah there's t- you know, there's there's loads of things that we've changed and adapted. Yeah. Um, but that's probably always going to be the case, you know, it's, it's, it's always an evolution and we're really pleased with our future proposition for under 50s, really pleased with it. Now I'd love to go back in time and say, here's your proposition, here it is, it's ready. Um, but, but that was a journey to create it. It, it evolved over time, um, to where it is today. Um, and we did learn a lot that we'll, we'll take forward. I suppose that that's the power, isn't it, of, of, of your business really, that you can evolve, you can be agile and you can actually innovate. Whereas you know, like, like, like you said earlier, an incumbent firm who's like locked into a pricing structure and a proposition, they can't move around and shift and see what works and double down on that. That's, that's really powerful. And what, so, so I've asked you what's annoying. Um, yeah. What, what, what are you like really pumped and, and hyped about? Um, adoption. Yeah. yeah. Adoption. Um, the, it's a really rewarding thing when people, so, so again, I've worked in this industry for 20 odd years. Um, I would say today what we what we provide to clients really does change lives in a way that, that just didn't 
20 years ago. We provide, you know, generally, we provided a good, really good service to clients and made their tax affairs very efficient and, you know, invested well and, and all this thing. But today we go into so much detail into people's lives and we, um, we pull heads out of sands, out of the sand. Um, we provide people opportunities that they weren't aware they had. Um, we get people out of sticky situations because, Again, we don't just look after people with a lot of money. We look after people that actually really need help and a bit of direction. Um, and, and those people, the, the satisfaction that, that we get, we, you know, we get people crying <laughs> on us, you know, with great, you know, gratitude. So that's so rewarding. And, um, and there's millions of people in that position that are lost and, and just need a bit of guidance. They're not, in, they're not in the worst position imaginable, yeah. Uh, but they just, but, but it feels like it might be to them, yeah, uh, yeah, because they don't have a plan and they don't know how to put a plan together. Um, so adoption, I would say, is something that we're really excited about, and it's so rewarding when, when a plan comes together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you kind of? Um, I can, I can even think of this question in terms of a story. So when I did all my exams and you know, did the CII stuff and you know, got my advanced diploma. And then you, you sat there as that guy at the party that like wants to drink, bring everyone to talk about pensions. And I realized pretty quickly, I didn't actually learn anything of value to, to some of those situations around building a, building a plan, helping people like understand their finance. And, and even the, the kind of maybe non-regulated elements of financial advice, like how, how do you build that capability as a team? Yeah. So the, the biggest asset attribute of a financial planner of the next 10 years will be empathy, not technical knowledge you can get that i can google that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah true. You, you yeah. know i can google the answer to questions that, that i couldn't google 20 years ago um it's not to diminish that it's a very very important part of the role um but the biggest attribute is empathy and again goes back to what what are we doing here what are we doing what are we really doing and we're providing that 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 stability in people's lives we're creating peace of mind. We're providing stability and we, empathy is such, and I mentioned, I gave those examples a moment ago. People will open up to us if they know that we can help them and, um, and we require empathy in abundance for that. So a hundred percent, that's going to be the biggest attribute. It's yeah. always helped. It's always <laughs> helped in a big way, but going forward, it's going to be number one. Yeah. Like you say, you can Google the other stuff, can't you? You can ask mm. ChatGPT, but you yeah. know, can you, um, yeah, you need, you need someone there by your side, don't you? Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed that, Sam. That was a really, really insightful conversation. I feel like um, I learned a lot about you and the business, and um, yeah, I'm really excited about what you guys are doing. So, really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, Pete. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's really been really fun.